Hello, hello, Nikhil. How are you? Welcome to the third episode of the Gourmet Gluttons podcast. Nikhil, hasn't this been an absolutely exciting journey, starting off from the first and second, and now we're here for the third episode, uh, and with so much more news and so many more things to discuss. Uh, let's get right to it, Nikhil. Most definitely, man. Jai, it's only been two episodes, but I feel like this whole learning process of what can we do better after each episode. Uh, like we really like to talk not just about food, but the technical aspect of things as well, right? Like how can a particular thing reach more people as well? You know, like what are the things that people want to hear about? We discussed all of those things for this week, and I think we've got an amazing, amazing episode planned ahead for us. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think where that you know that that uh, inquisitiveness internally where it strives from is both you and i have such uh, in depth conversations about food from a technical perspective food from a content perspective food from like you know yeah. oh bro i ate this or i made this and then all of the other experiences that you know we individually have so i think uh, sharing that with you know all of these folks who listen to us will be really really fun and uh, today i think we're going to be talking about the most important thing there is in food which is mm-hmm. flavor 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 Right, flavor, flavor. That's right. So, right. so Nikhil, yeah. uh, I was I was reading up about you know all about flavor and like how to get more flavor into food and so on and so forth. But when it comes right to the basics, right? What are the four kinds of flavors or five kinds of flavors? Or what are like flavors? Like how do you describe them? Uh, so flavors are we have certain receptors on our tongue, you know, that are hmm. that have the inherent ability to sort of sense a particular flavor, as they're called, right? Uh, so the four major flavors are sweet, salty, spicy, and no, oh man, oh man, it's sweet, salty, sour, and bitter. My teachers would kill me if they heard me say spicy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Most Pain, definitely. Huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, man, that was like oof. I, my body was like rejected me for a second. Uh, but no, so I, 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 our tongue is divided into like different areas where the sides. Uh, are receptors for sourness. That's why, like, whenever you eat something very sour, you go like wince a little bit, and you like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sort of like try to like get rid of the stuff on the side of your tongue. Exactly. Uh, sweet. The sweet receptors are right in the front. That's why, mm-hmm. like, whenever you eat something that has a little bit of sweet in it, it's one of the first flavors that your body recognizes. Uh, then bitter is actually all the way in the back of the tongue. That's why, like, whenever you eat something bitter, that bitterness sort of comes slightly later. Like the realization of you eating something bitter is mm-hmm. a little bit delayed. Uh, mm-hmm. That's because the tongue is sort of divided in those receptors for these different flavors. But uh, mm-hmm. there is a very common misconception that flavor and taste is the same thing. Uh, whereas that couldn't be any more wrong. You know, flavor is a very scientific sort of biological approach uh, to food. Whereas mm-hmm. taste is a very multi-sensory uh, sort of a experience, you know, uh, we mm-hmm. taste not just with our tongue, but we involve all of our other senses in it as well. Uh, and I've seen multiple different uh, examples of that, you know, like sweet, salty, and then the the newest newest discovery in the world of flavor and taste was umami, right? It's I know it is one of your absolute favorite sort of foods to eat as umami foods. What do you what do you like about umami food so much? Like, what do they do for you? Right. So, like like you rightly said, that the tongue is divided into four main parts, which is and the four main flavors that exist is you know uh, yeah. sweet, salty, uh, bitter, 
and sour correct yep. and at yep. the end yep. of the day the fifth flavor like you know like we all know it and we use it like in our common lingo kya umami tha that is the fifth flavor <laughs> yeah. umami and what that is is a combination of the four flavors it is something that when you put on your tongue or for all four or three parts of your tongue are like wow and it's dancing in your mouth is what you say right and that's literally yeah. it it is the fifth flavor which is umami which is a combination of uh, sweet and sour and salty and i think that for me is the most amazing flavor because uh, i think like yeah like the like the saying goes it's dancing in my mouth nikhil and uh, yeah, that's what exactly. i love a lot about umami and it's very interesting because it it is regarded as a fifth flavor uh, you know uh, and it's no and the reason nikhil said that it's it's very recent is because uh, from a scientific perspective we always knew about these four regions but then categorizing something like you know one food which when eaten uh gives you a feeling of all these three things and a very interesting ingredient that you know a lot of people associate with umami nickel is uh msg mm-hmm. right and uh, mm-hmm. that's yep. a single ingredient that's monosodium glutamate that's one ingredient it's not like it's sugar salt and then uh, citrus as well that's not how it is it's one ingredient and when you have that you feel umami you feel yep. that one ingredient is making three parts of your tongue dance or two parts of your tongue dance and that is why it is regarded as a fifth flavor where you know one single ingredient goes in there and plays around in that way and then you know uh, glutamates or uh, like you know monosodium glutamate is the compound but glutamates obviously naturally occur in food you know it's in tomatoes it's in parmesan it's in a lot of the other vegetables and like uh, that's what tells you like oh you know there is a there's a deeper meaning to this and vegetables and like you know multiple different foods when cooked and played around with different ways give you those natural flavors and like that's all we play yep. for that's all we keep doing and that's all we keep experimenting and playing with uh, across fnb across uh, uh, fmcg like you know across like restaurants and like us at the product level mm-hmm. but uh, yep. i think that's pretty cool and that's pretty interesting so yeah fifth dancing flavor umami from a, is what it is yeah from a product level jay like does Aji, like companies like ajinomoto which is mm-hmm. sort of like bisleri for water ajinomoto is for msg right right uh, uh, so the, do they have like the ability to extract these monosodium glutamates from specific vegetables or how how is it that crystallized crystallized msg that we use how is that extracted or how is that right. rather made so yeah like you rightly said uh, ajinomoto when they first like so first first is identifying right you got to identify that hey there is this thing which is creating some sort of uh, like you know flavor or uh, some sort of interesting experience for people uh, what is it like how do we deep dive into it and this is like 100 years ago back in the 19 early 1900s where J- uh, japanese scientists were like you know uh, going at it uh, discovering and really really going into the molecular level of foods and uh, that's when they discovered uh, peptides called glutamates in food which is basically a kind of amino acid right um and they discovered mm-hmm. that and they played around with that and then they isolated that from the food uh through various chemical extraction processes i know i say chemical extraction processes but uh, hey guys if if any of like you know the listeners listening if you're scientists you know that it's not that chemicals are bad there are some chemicals that are bad and you got to do what you got to do to get the product out right you can do extraction via heat via water via ethanol and those are all normal processes and so they did a bunch of stuff and f- uh, got to the bottom of isolating msg as a compound uh, out of like you know various different natural foods and started using it to enhance different foods and that was the first use of msg which is basically a vegetable extract being added 
to another food to enhance the flavor which is why even now when you think of msg you always say it's a flavor enhancer it's not a flavor in itself right you're, right. you're adding it to food to take it to the next level to add that umaminess to it so yeah yeah um and uh answering your question about like you know how do they like how do they get to it i mean they've been doing uh msg for over 100 years at this point and uh now they've they've yeah. really really refined the processes but uh like in the food industry you know you can get it from the natural sources which is when it's uh extracted very very purely from natural foods and you can get it from yeah. a chemical lab um and again the fda the fssai all those bodies regulate all of this and like you know allow certain grades to be used in food versus certain grades to be used in other applications and uh that's how it is and that's a pretty complex uh you know uh, thing to get into but uh, that's something we can keep for the future but um, yeah. you know it's it's regulated uh back in the 70s there was some bad rap around msg nickel uh yeah. and like you know there was a lot of studies and they said msg is bad and it's the demon and so on and so forth and today the when you look at modern disorder right 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 the exactly food disorder yeah right and uh today when you take a look at it there's been a lot of more studies that have come out uh you know disproving those and saying that you know it's not all bad uh it's a very normal thing you guys consume it regularly in your food in fact it is better for you in the sense that if you're if you're trying to go and reduce salt or sugar in your diet or you know in in processed foods even you can replace that or you can cut out that amount uh using msg right like so if i because msg yeah. gives you a lot more flavor uh compared to yep. salt does uh, while using mm-hmm. two thirds less the sodium so yeah. uh, all of those things really affect how we play with formulations at a fmcg level right and if we need to pro- produce a product which is less than 50 mg of sodium 100 mg of sodium and uh, 10 mg of sodium how do you get flavor in that uh, it's it's natural compounds like these that allow you to uh, you know mold and fold food in a way uh, that is still acceptable to the palate and uh, is great for health so yep. yeah that's that's how it is and um for it's a fun industry for yeah. people uh, most most definitely for people that are listening that are still against the concept of sort of using msg or adding this uh, umami element there is one like sort of way to bring out natural msg from uh, you know ingredients such as tomatoes uh, or even mushrooms and stuff like that and that is to cook these uh, particular vegetables really really well not only does this release the monosodium glutamate that is already existent but it also uh, sort of gives way to a sensation known as kokumi uh, it's a japanese term koku in japanese uh, translates to a rich taste uh, correct me if i'm wrong over here jay but uh, as as uh, as vegetables get cooked even further you can imagine like a stock uh that cooks for 30 minutes and compare that to a stock that cooks for about 4 hours the taste will be dramatically different and that is another um sort of a food revelation of the uh, recent uh, uh recent findings and scientific research is kokumi jay i know that you've uh, done like a major deep dive on kokumi uh, we've spoken about it multiple times uh, uh, so far uh why don't you tell us a little bit about like the science that goes behind it and what is it is it similar to a, t- a flavor like the rest of them like salty uh sweet uh sour and bitter is it similar to umami is is it different what is kokumi i know that it translates to rich taste but what is it really 
I love it. I love that Nikhil, you brought in kokumi because, like you know, while we were discussing flavors and uh, those four existing, and then umami being a fifth layer to it, kokumi in its most true sense, Nikhil, is a feeling. It's a feeling that leaves yep. your mouth full. It makes you feel like, oh man, that thing has so much flavor, so much flavor. Like you know, it's it's not about one single flavor note. It's like uh, when you have a really nice. The difference between like you know, like a wine that's like. 2022 made versus a wine that is 2015 or like you know aged uh, is yep. time, right? It's not it, it's not like the grape right. was different or anything. It's just time, and uh, a lot of it is is related to time. Where when you when you spend time in cooking things, fermenting things, uh, taking time with it, you release uh, compounds from food that allow you to unleash your feeling of taste, which is known as kokumi. So I love that you brought that up. And why don't I give you a little bit more information, right, on kokumi? Please, so kokumi I, I am, is. I, I was sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just very confused because I had heard about it, but I wasn't really uh, sure as to exactly what it is. So I would, I would love. Right, this. I bet because this thing would love it as well. Right, because it's it's such a new concept, and as well, it's not spoken about very very widely. So I'm sure, like I was amazed as well when I uh, like you know dive deep into it. So anyway, so yes. the basic principle again, power of food comes from like you know natural ingredients and like you know finding things that have flavor in those natural ingredients. And one such natural element in food uh, is amino acids, and a lot of different amino acids give you a lot of different flavors. Uh, in the case of kokumi specifically, there is an amino acid called glutathione. Uh, glutathione, right? So from a similar family like uh, glutamates are. And that specific amino acid is has known to be the specific ingredient because of which you feel the feeling of kokumi. And, you know, uh, scientists like at the Ginomoto itself have gone through various different ingredients and found that, you know, uh, kokumi or uh, glutathione as the amino acid is, is naturally occurring in uh, yeast, in uh, scallops, in fish, in soy sauce that, you know, you naturally ferment, in shrimp paste over time, which is also fermented, mature aged cheese, uh, beer. So all of these different kinds of ingredients uh, have naturally occurring glutathione. And that's what gives it that feeling of rich taste that full-bodiedness is what you call it. You know, you feel a mouthful of uh, flavor. Um, the Geomoto guys did a lot of more research, Nikhil, into this. And they went out okay. to find that, you know, uh, basically the glutathione, uh, there's a specific uh, receptor, right? There's a specific calcium receptor on your tongue, uh, which that uh, interacts with and has a direct correlation to. So the time when, let's say, you have a food, which does not have glutathione in it, uh, naturally, you find the flavor to be, you know, great, but nothing insane. And then when you get like added glutathione or ingredients which have glutathione in it by a yeast extract or something like that, the flavor is immensely improved. And so they found out that, you know, this one ingredient is being able to modulate food in such a way where it's enhancing the flavor of that food mm -hmm. and making it more flavorful. And so that's the basic thing that uh, Kokumi does. The guys at Ajinomoto obviously went ahead and isolated that and made this ingredient called Gamma EVG, which is like a, uh, if you want the whole name, it's Gamma Glutamyl Peptides, basically. And uh, they basically, these ingredients, which are 10 times more effective than glutathione, but they've been made from mm -hmm. glutathione itself. 
and uh, this is what they they like you know it's a it's a new ingredient which is upcoming in the food industry uh, fda has cleared it the fsi has cleared it uh, there is a no risk to health at all whatsoever associated yeah. with this ingredient and it's really pushing the boundaries for food innovations where you know you're able to now uh, make reduced fat sauces taste just as good not by you know adding some kind of polyol or anything like this but just by this one naturally occurring compound uh, that when added to food gives you more richness gives you a mouthful of yeah. flavor and so that i think is really really interesting but uh, i think overall i think that's what kokumi is in terms of flavor and a scientific standpoint and uh, i just really hope that you know uh, the right studies have already been done and now when this ingredient starts getting introduced we see a whole lot more innovations and flavorful snacks foods health ingredients coming up in the market yeah i mean a company like ajinomoto definitely deserves way more credit than they get because uh, yeah. they have mastered the art of msg and i believe they were the first people to be able to isolate that glutamate uh, sorry yeah uh, the, yeah the gamma glutamyl peptide, peptide if i'm not yes. wrong yeah yes. glutamyl peptide yeah they were the first ones to sort of isolate it and turn mm-hmm. it into a powder which they later um they developed into a full blown product they right. they will they are they've been doing some amazing research and work in the whole uh, flavor taste spectrum and how mm-hmm. uh, consumers ourselves and even you know chefs can take advantage of it um hey, yeah man so when you like, when you say i'm sorry but like when you say chefs can take advantage of it like uh, msg is one such ingredient right like where it's yeah. it's something that every pantry has and it's not like a cheat way but it's it's an ingredient that really really makes a huge difference and so having ingredients like those really uh, matter and it's great that you know it can be used across the board by home users and chefs and companies alike so yeah yeah you know what i really really find cool uh, about this whole kokumi kokumi part is the fact that it's not it's not something it's inherent it's a sensation you know uh, it, it does something different to your body than what the other five tastes do you know it's mm-hmm. a very uh, full body sort of an experience mm-hmm. just like spiciness is a sensation and it's not a taste you know spiciness right. is sort of your tongue ra- receiving those capsaicin uh, enzymes and alerting your brain that this is something that maybe you shouldn't eat you know that's why you start isn't that isn't that hilarious yeah like, man like think about our it our body gives us our body gives us so many uh, signals you know like there is literally snot coming down my nose but i'm still going for it man and and we <laughs> always refer to that meko theeka khana pasand hai i like eating hot food like hot is my favorite flavor hell hot is exactly. not a flavor hot is a feeling hot is a feeling of pain and well the guys who like it i mean i don't but like the people who like it you like pain i yeah. guess and that's okay but yeah that's yeah. what spice is spice is not a flavor it's it's your body's way of telling you that whoo yeah i was spicy. actually yeah. very funnily just talking uh, talking to somebody yesterday and i'm not going to name any names but they're a very newly married couple and like very busy they're in the finance business and they don't really have time to cook you know elaborate good mm-hmm. food So mm-hmm. if you if you cook something and it doesn't turn out well, all you do is add a little bit of uh, chili ka char or Szechuan sauce in it, mix it up, and basically your mouth becomes so numb that you can't taste anything. So everything tastes good, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I've never thought of it that way because I've never yeah. had the guts to like open a Szechuan ka char or something and put it in my food. Like I just don't do that. I But it's that. funny. I know I know people do that. And that's yeah, funny. I heard that yesterday, and I was just like, wow, what a novel. Yeah. Indian hack we've come up with just add a hella spice to something and it'll taste good. Uh, but, but this, 
sorry no go ahead I, i think i was getting to the same point that this way of like you know making masking the flavor <laughs> yeah. to get the flavor is a very interesting thing that you exactly. can do in scenarios very, very interesting thing right yeah. yeah and it only comes because it only comes because your entire body sort of contributes to it right that is what a sensation does and a flavor doesn't do you know a sensation uh, involves all of your uh, uh, it involves all of your sensory organs together uh, mm-hmm. i was actually so i'm a huge huge fan of pringles right like if right. nobody is watching and i'm on like a not a very good uh, mindset of a day then i could <laughs> like finish like a whole can of pringles you know like i fucking love pringles oh, man God. and i was just doing a, a bit of research like how does a company figure out a chip that has the perfect crunch the perfect mm-hmm. amount of saltiness uh, you know like it's the perfect size for people to uh, you know finish the whole thing so there is so much <laughs> r&d that has uh, yeah. there is so much r&d that has gone on into this product so i was just doing a little bit of research and i came across a very very cool experiment that was done by a professor called charles spence of oxford he's a professor of experimental psychology uh, so okay. already i'm like i'm reading this article about this experiment and i'm already intrigued because psycho- I, i understand yeah pringles I and psychology pringles. sprinkles psychology and i love the the coming together of psychology and food right so yeah. i'm already loving this article uh, hmm. he runs a cross modal research lab so cross modal is basically any activity that requires more than one of our senses to work together okay, okay. so he is running uh, an experiment to sort of help uh, a chip company and what they've done is they've taken they've gotten people to just sit in a room nothing different you know lights are on uh, you're still eating the same pringles you're seeing them but you have headphones on mm-hmm. and you are actually listening to your own uh, your own mouth's sound of crunching into the pringle right and professor okay. charles is sort of got it yeah so professor charles is sort of has the control of the volume and f- frequency of that sound of the crunch uh, for so he can he's Yeah. you can modulate the you sound basically okay yeah. okay yeah so what you hear the the intensity of crunch that people are hearing he has the control over that so for ah. some people yeah so for some people he's increased the volume and frequency of that crunch while for some people he's reduced it uh and hmm. no diff like like without any wonder obviously the people that didn't get as much of a crunch sound thought that uh, the pringles were maybe stale or they didn't taste as what good. uh Yeah, yeah, man. And the people that had the louder sound, they were like, "This is the best Pringles I've ever had." What did you do? Quite disgusted for us. Oh man, I, I, I was amazed by this experiment as to how like the different senses senses can affect an important sense. You know, sound is one of our most important senses, and no wonder it affects how we perceive food. But like we, we like a no, like I didn't think of the fact that like you know. like i know like you know if if you don't tell me uh if i'm eating a potato or an onion with my eyes shut or something like that i can't tell the difference uh-huh. because you know i haven't seen otherwise it tastes the same apparently or something like that or you yeah. can't smell it and you eat it it tastes the same but like sound is one of those that you can use yeah. to like alter it is crazy and that the guy was just sitting there playing with the volume and they are like pringles <laughs> is ruined for them they're like are ye to naram hai but no it's crunchy still and it's so exactly. funny exactly 
That's yeah. funny. Yeah, Love most definitely. And like it, it shows, Let it me... shows what happens when you deprive your body of a sense, right? Yeah. That is very funny. I want to talk a lot more about yeah. these uh, sensory thing. But let me tell you a very funny story, okay? About Pringles only that recently happened. Uh, uh-huh. My dad, I was so I'm, I've been you know talking a lot to my dad. So my dad does clothes and I do food. So it's two completely different industries. And so he's been yep. taking interest in what I do. And so he asked me just like recently, like a couple of months ago, uh, Jeff, what do they do with the extra potatoes after they've cut the perfectly shaped Pringles? And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, because like, you know, all Pringles are the same shape. So like, what do they do with all the other extra pieces? And I'm like, <laughs> that's not, you know, that's not how they're made. And then like, you know, uh, I spoke to you about it recently and you were like, yeah, I mean, most people do not know how Pringles are made and how do they get yeah. perfect, you know, to be like that. And so uh, real quick, like Pringles are like, they're actually, so they, there is no fresh potatoes grated to go into Pringles. Okay. Pringles are made with potato flakes dehydrated potato flakes there's about 42 percent of that in any pringles you eat and then there is a bunch of other things uh, which basically help you make a dough and then this dough is kind of sheeted out onto uh, like you know a plane or a platter and then there is a thing called a rotary shakes into dough like a cookie cutter this is a, yeah. that's that's what it does and uh, it basically yeah. goes round and round and cuts the shape of a uh, like you know like the the shape of a pringle like which which is basically a oval correct and they cut that yep. and then what they actually do to get the the shape that is that a, like it's called flash frying and so within 11 mm-hmm. seconds they just in hot oil they just fry off that chip that they've just cut out and then they fold it onto a mold that they have like they just drop it onto a mold hot chips coming from oil which is still like you know it's only been 11 seconds nickel so they just like right. uh, left onto a mold and they take this yeah. unique shape which is uh, the best way to describe it is like uh, the saddle on a horse right that's the shape of right. a pringle, pringle. Um, and that's how they made that like you know that's how they get the shape of a pringle and the process of how does a potato mm. turn into that that perfect chip um and yeah then they salt it and so on and so forth and take it ahead so it's pretty interesting that that is how a pringle is made uh yeah and uh like the amount of effort that would have gone into figuring out all of that would be wow yeah i mean for a global company to just have the same uh type of chip all over the world across 140 countries it's no mean it's no easy feat right and they've absolutely smashed it i'm sure uh, years, maybe maybe even decades of R and D has gone into uh, this I, sort of a standardization I, for a product, right? I know. So I'll I'll actually tell you uh, the the Pringle, the actual Pringle, the chip as we know it, the process and the chip itself. It took ten years to PNG for them to develop and launch this product back in nineteen sixty seven. So they they were doing it since the mid nineteen fifties, and then they launched it ten years later. Uh, and there were like a mul- multiple different people were like tasked to finish this project because that's how much effort and planning and all of that went into making the chip we know as a Pringle. And like you rightly said, it's 140 countries uh, where you can get that same red color stack, which says original with the guy with the mustache saying yep. Pringles, you know, yep. and that's just iconic. Like, you know, they've, they've made that fantastic product and now it is available globally uh, at the scale it is. So wonderful. Uh, another interesting fact, Nikhil, do you know for supplying to 140 countries across the world, how many factories uh-huh. they have? No. I, I ha- would figure like the bigger 
bigger countries like we would have like I I feel like India should have would have a manufacturing plant for Pringles. I don't think they have one yet, but as of twenty fifteen, they only had five yeah. factories worldwide that could produce Pringles. What five That's mega so factories? Crazy. I mean, when you think about it, but like if a technology is taking you ten years to develop and like you know introduce into the market and like do it right at that scale, it's not something that everyone can figure out. Like you know, just by watching the process. Right. So uh, I'm sure, like you know, they've they've like kept that. Like that's their trade secret. Like you, yeah, for sure. Go try making it with potato flakes and I this bet. and that. But the process that allows yeah. me to make the most perfect stack of potato crisps that, like you said, you will finish one whole can of. Like you know, if no one's watching. and i'm sure everyone listening yeah. and you know me as well have done that at one point in our life is uh, yeah. all of that r&d technology time spent in the user experience of consuming something as simple as a pringle yeah man crazy, crazy. Right? i mean this i <laughs> love i love the fact that we've gone on a pringle tangent right now because uh, uh, as mentioned as i mentioned before i love i love it Right, I want to come back. I want to come back to yeah, our senses yeah. and how they play a how they play a huge role uh, right. into how we eat. And so, coming back to that experiment a little bit, like when somebody doesn't hear that crunch of the Pringle, right? Mm-hmm. It's you. The uh, Professor Spence was depriving the person of a basic sense, which is you know the good crunchy sound that you want. So sensory deprivation has. Uh, a huge effect on the way you perceive food and so does a sensory overload you know deprivation might have a negative impact on your body or it might have a, a positive impact so there's this concept hmm. called dark restaurants where okay. uh, the the windows the windows are all boarded up in a in bla- black wood um you eat with a blindfold on there are no lights in the room or anything like that and you're supposed to eat your meal in the utter darkness uh what the theory behind this is that when you don't have one of your main senses which is seeing that mm-hmm. your other senses become heightened and you're able to uh perceive food or rather feel the food in your body a little bit more uh, i have never been to a dark restaurant so mm-hmm. i and i have never tried eating in the dark i actually hate it um but i i don't know if that actually works or not do you have any any thoughts on that um i think sensory deprivation overall like i've seen it in movies and everything and uh, technically i think it would work because uh, nikhil like when you're unable to see what you're eating right like for me uh-huh. like i'll tell you one very uh, like i told you about the experiment where when it come to tasting you know we always do it under a red light because we don't want to be biased by what we are eating like right. for example if you see more seasonings on fry you already probably know it's going to be extremely salty or something like that yep. versus if you just not yep. seen it and you eat it you'll just experience the flavor as is so i think from that perspective uh, at least uh, deprivation of sight completely uh, can have a huge effect positively or negatively on the food you're going to be eating uh, for sure for sure but i don't know how overload in the sense like how do you display uh or like how do you do more like how do i show you more food and then be like to come kha raha <laughs> like you know is that oh, what overload is or like how do you do yeah do i i have lived sensory overload uh, in mean? in real life i yeah? mean at alinia so uh, yeah man i have some crazy alinia stories that i hope these folks appreciate because living them was a total trip and this this particular sensory overload story is is insane because it's about the table dessert which is one of the most iconic desserts in the world ever period okay. like from the 1800s when kitchens actually began till today this dessert 
will probably be etched in people's memories forever. So uh, just to introduce the concept of the table desserts, it's it's basically what happens is by the end of your first 21 um, courses, at the end of the 21 courses, everything from your table is stripped out <clears throat> and a silicon mat is put onto your table. And what proceeds that is four chefs that come from the kitchen with about 30, 35 odd components come to your table and just begin throwing shit at the table. But 35 components. Way, 35 components. So there's about five to six sauces. Then there will be about three to four crunchy elements, three or four soft elements. Then there will be a sort of PSA resistance for the table, which is usually nitro frozen. So what happens is it, get, it gets kept on the table right in the center. And Chef Grand Akits takes his spoon, goes up like this and breaks it. And this ball or a cube that has been nitrogen, liquid nitrogen frozen, just shatters onto the table, leaving that sort of mist on the table. Just walk up. It's like the Irish exit is what they do. Uh, I I am actually going to find a video of this table dessert and I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if you guys want to check it out, it will definitely be in the show notes. Because uh, it's it's a it's something that everybody should see at least once in their life. That food can be presented to you in a way where your senses are overloaded with the amount of information that's being thrown at you. You're not, you don't know. 35 components, how do you how do you eat 35 components together? You've never known that. But that is the sort of experience that you get when you take advantage of how the senses play on your on your body. It's it's something that I actually had the chance to do a table dessert and uh, it's one of the most cherished experiences of my life. I, I can never forget that. Wait, wait. I have a few questions. You said right now. Yes. That I we will. I will. I will ask you more questions about the whole experience, right? But you uh-huh. said right now you had the ex, you had the opportunity to go yep. up to a table. Yep. yep. Where you laid a mat or something, or someone one of the guys yep. laid a mat, and then you yep. went at it, painting your picture for those guests that night. That's right. That's right. Wow. Wow. It was. It was How one was of the most it? insane things. It was too fun, man. And so. So it's sort of like uh, graduated, like more than mm. graduated, it sort of changed forms from when mm. they first uh, ideated it and uh, had the inception of the idea was in about mm-hmm. 2012 or 2013. But by okay. the time 2020 came, they had to do a little bit of, of some sort of a difference right, to make keep it mm-hmm. novel and keep it relevant. So mm-hmm. uh, the theme of the menu that I was working on at Alinea with, with Alinea was, uh, it was all around art. So the, mm. the final dessert was the there were paint there used to be vinyl ka pvc ka paintings like it was a pvc mm. sort of a board uh mm. you know think about like a whiteboard or something like that about that big it was made of pvc and it was it had been painted by an artist by a chicago artist a local chicago artist and they okay. used to, they were hanging like throughout your 21 courses in the beginning the <laughs> the paintings are hanging and for this course the captains will go and pull those paintings out put it on your table and that's where we go and uh, paint with food on. Wow. Wow, yeah. guys. Are yeah. you listening? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, I am... Yeah. I, so, so like, today, Nikhil, you and I are not sitting next to each other. We're across each other. Like, like yes. uh, you're at your house and I'm at my house recording this one. Yep. But uh, yep. the big smile that I have on my face, just imagining this... Uh, like, you know, the, you just painted a story for me, right? About the table. Yes. And, like, I have sensory overload of... Uh, 
uh, <laughs> what that must have been uh, and so to be able to eat that like must be crazy what was yeah. like the reaction of the guests when you were doing it if you can tell me a little bit about that i mean there in, in the beginning is just utter shock right because hmm. there's so much happening there are <laughs> chefs that are coming and going uh, there are chefs that are coming and going they have their little spoons of sauces they're just throwing stuff at you sometimes a little bit like falls on your dress and you're like oh my god what just happened and then uh, somebody will just like lick using their fingers a little bit and they're like wow that tastes so good i'm so excited for what i'm going to taste uh, coming soon uh, there's ooze there's ahs there's oh my gods uh, there is all sorts of things and uh, yeah i mean i also got to eat a table dessert uh that my team sort of painted for me so that experience was insane as well uh, <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah man i love it yeah. man like wow guys if you want yeah. to like uh so i i now i like i just remembered where like you know i've i've, I've heard of this so but the first season of chef's table i believe where grant has an episode uh or that entire uh, the the song of it uh i think yep. is like the, the 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 credits of that ep- that show are yeah. uh from shots from the table dessert i believe uh that's right and, yeah i i just don't know wow like i i enjoyed having that last 5 minutes uh to me and you to just discuss this and like hear about this cuz wow it was it's totally sensory overload uh giving experiences where like imagine them going ahead nikhil and talking to people about it also mm-hmm. how do you explain an experience like that because you like as 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 a guest who's gone in there you didn't know you ate 35 like you know different things you didn't know what happened or something you know that the last yeah. course was thrown at your table and even yes. then it was just wow and i don't know how many people yeah. there were i don't know what they did i don't know what flavor like does anyone even remember the flavor from it no i think they remember the experience of it like it tasted exactly. great but uh, can you tell me what it was was it a kiwi ice cream or a, like you know chocolate cube or whatever it was probably not and i think that's what sensory uh, overload I, is right i don't know yes Yeah, you were you're saying not you were supposed saying... to remember. No, hmm. I was just saying that you're not supposed to remember the flavors. Even the chefs don't expect you to remember the flavors. But no, uh, that sensory of that feeling of sensory overload is the takeaway from it. I love that. I love that. Are there any oh, other definitely. restaurants who are taking advantage of these things? Uh, like you know, anywhere in the world. Like if you were to experience something like this anywhere else, we can go other than, uh, of course, the, the infamous Alinea, where Alinea, we won't get a yes. table. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Uh, this this other restaurant that I'm about to mention, you might not get a table there as well, because uh, it's it's one of the world's most uh, exciting and up and coming restaurants. It's called uh, the Alchemist. It's in hmm. Denmark in a sort of a warehouse that I believe is about six thousand square feet or something like that. It's absolutely massive, and what they have done is they have uh, compartmentalized that warehouse into different sectors. Hmm. So. And get this, get this, Jay. They serve fifty courses. It's a fifty-course meal. Fifty-course menu has been created that you enjoy through six hours of your of the evening in six different sort of pavilions. Wow! Right? So you're you you eat like whatever like five to six courses, and then you're asked to follow the captain to the next room, uh, where it's all okay. So that's where the sensory overload part comes. in some of these pavilions there are like built in dome screens on top hmm. uh, so and as the course is happening for each course the visual is sort of different for right. example like if you are eating and they go extreme yeah 
they go hmm. extreme completely extreme so there is a course i believe it's called the cow tongue or something like that or a mm-hmm. wheel tongue yeah it's a hmm. wheel tongue but they don't really use real wheel but they hmm. have been able to mimic uh, like the 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 texture of wheel tongue uh, hmm. and as you are eating that wheel tongue you are shown like gory uh, images of cows uh, in factory farms and stuff like that just to give you that sort of uh, i don't know guilt like it is guilt right at So this is a big gory example to give, but there is also like pretty girls dancing, uh, or just like apples falling or something like that. It's it's trees. thoughtful. It's thoughtful. It's thoughtful. They know that what you see on this giant ass dome screen in front of you will have an effect on how you think about the food that you're eating right now. They know that, and they want to take advantage of it. They want to push the limits of what food can be for people. You know, food can change mm-hmm. lives. but in mm-hmm. what way in what way can the alchemist change lives and this is the way they're doing it uh, it's very hard for me to sort of uh, put this into pictures and uh, this is a very cool new thing that i found is that you can put show notes on spotify as well so i'm going to take major advantage of this put all the video uh, references from today's episode you in must. the show notes for you, sure this this yeah. video to you must watch everyone like yes. it's 13 yes. minutes of your time but it is the best food you've seen or like the best experience like oh i don't even believe that yeah. they've put it up to watch for us like you know it is uh, yeah. that amazing of an experience but uh, yeah. yeah uh you know nikhil i was just like yeah. when you were talking right now i just thought of a very funny like you know uh story like uh, when you were talking about sensory overload right and like i was like where else can you experience this and you were like yeah even that's going to be full and i'm like like what is the point of like you know introducing a concept which is so like tough to obtain but then i realized that there is yeah. one thing that is sensory overload that we indians know very very well and uh, if you don't mind me saying it nikhil it is one product that is synonymous to great restaurants made may average restaurants and like in the middle of nowhere and that experience oh God, is I called exactly <laughs> the sizzling <laughs> brownie exactly what you're talking about yes the sizzling brownie yes a yes. sizzling brownie the is PS... the most the resistance the ps the resistance Yes, exactly. Of every Indian restaurant, go out like if you're going out with your family. This is this makes your entire night. This is Ling Browdy, right? And this is yeah, now like now I'll tell you. I'm going to qualify my argument as to why. Sizzling brownie is a sensory overload or a sensory play, right? Uh, we've all eaten sizzling brownie, and we all love it in multiple different ways for different reasons. Uh, but I was recently in uh, South Goa, and unfortunately, all the restaurants were shut. And I was at this one really, really great restaurant and eating great food, great cocktails. It's called uh, Kopi Desa. It's in South Goa. It's right by the beach. It's like you know a twenty-seater restaurant, but serving some of the best food and cocktails I've ever had in my life. Okay, and I've gone there late, Nick. Mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i asked for the tiramisu it's out of stock i asked for the tres leches is out of stock so i'm like what is the dessert you like you know you still have in stock and uh, to my surprise they're like uh we have a sizzling brownie and i'm just like you know what i know i'm in south goa out of all places you know having the most chill vibe and like you know drink having thai food and all of this like interesting cuisine and everything and then for dessert i'm going to be like yeah sure why not like you know sizzling brownie sounds great and i i i hyped myself up cuz i love that like you know sizzle of the brownie and the ice cream melting and that chocolate sauce getting burnt and then enjoying that entire meal uh but can you imagine what happened here so they sizzled the platter okay nikhil 
full platter is mm-hmm. sizzling and everything it took 10 minutes but yeah. i can see it because the kitchen is right in front of me this sizzling the platter right. and i've seen them place the brownie also on the platter so i'm confident that oh bro this is so like you know going to be good then it comes to the pass mm. where they have a beautiful pass the guy quinels an ice cream like two ice cream vanilla ice cream uh, uh, this thing scoops and like gives it to me on that brownie and then he takes some good chocolate sauce and he starts pouring it over the ice cream and then he brings it so i'm like okay chalo fine this is looking good let's see the chocolate sauce little bit it drops on the sizzling platter so it sizzles a little bit it comes to me and when i start cutting into the brownie guess what they've done mm. they've put a slice a thick slice of pineapple under the brownie so that the brownie Whoa. doesn't get burnt or like you know doesn't char or doesn't sizzle and so basically effectively what i end up eating is a cold brownie and a cold ice cream with a little bit hot platter under it and that completely ruined my experience because i knew if i was served a hot brownie a little bit burnt brownie some ice cream some burnt chocolate sauce and cashew nuts i'm going to be happy and i was ready for it right and so even after saying no to tiramisu and this and that uh, i was like it's fine sizzling brownie aane wala hai maza aane wala hai like you know i am ready i yeah, see the I'm, smoke I'm, and all of it people really have one wrong with sizzling brownie right? right and then that one small yeah. thing of not cooking the component right completely messed the experience because otherwise it was great like everything tasted on point but it didn't have that sizzle on it you know it didn't have that a uh, whole experience yeah. with it and i think that really changed the experience of the food i was having and so if you want long story short hmm. a sensory overload experience order a sizzling brownie Go or a sizzle sizzling brownie exactly that is that's, what it is that is what it is most, that's the that's we can get yeah but uh, yeah. Yeah. jokes aside i think we we'll, since you said nikhil we have a lot of show notes to give uh, we'll do some research and give you guys a bunch of recommendations for any people doing sensory overload or sensory deprivation restaurants uh, or events in the country uh, and if you guys uh, happen to check them out or follow them that'd be great um, yeah so i think that is fantastic uh, nikhil anything yeah, else like you want to the... add on this No I I just want to say that just the way a sizzling brownie is the perfect end to your Indian family outing I feel like it is also the perfect way to end uh, this amazing episode that we've had we've loved what we've talked about because I'm very very passionate in putting the word out that you mm-hmm. don't just eat with your mouth you know you eat with your yeah. entire body yeah, yeah. I, I I really want food people a... to acknowledge and understand it Mhm like food is a lot yeah. more than just the way you cook it but the yeah. way you plate it serve it uh, how the overall experience is and the more we push those boundaries nikhil uh, there's a lot more to explore in the food space fnb space as well as like you know or on our side with the even just simple products that we sell uh, enhancing the experience of using them in some way or the other is going to add so much kokumi Right, that's right. Kokumi. So much kokumi, kokumi in everyone's life and palates yep. and all of it. <laughs> uh, that I think, uh, yeah, I think we should all go and explore some food that gives us a good feeling of kokumi now. Not umami, guys. Umami to sahi hai. Milta hi aajkal. Umami to har jagah milta hai aajkal. Kokumi dundo life. Right. With I'm going to do a Italian yes. gesture only for kokumi, Nikhil. <laughs> But like kokumi is what we're looking for now in life. That's and right. uh, we should we should offer them a little bit more of kokumi foods so we'll do that uh, we'll get to we'll it we'll do that thanks for listening guys yeah. uh, this has been really fun and we'll see you in a couple of weeks on the next episode of gourmet gluttons bye 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 all bye bye <laughs>